Season 2, Episode 30, Stats of Matter. Week 8 in the NFL was a hell of a week for picks and injuries and a 48-hour news cycle that you're not going to believe. In our cups this week, it's a mixed fermentation ale from Washington, D.C. and a Doppelbach from Boston, Mass. Follow us on Instagram at Stats of Matter and Twitter at Stats Podcast for all things sports, beer, and humor. Find Stats of Matter wherever you get your podcast: Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google, Apple with an R. It's not a thing. Apple without an R. <laughs> God damn it. All right, let's, let's, let's get into the show. You know, I have always kind of given you like some crap like, oh, you, you never really drink enough IPAs. Uh, and I drink nothing but IPAs. So, you know, I thought I had this thing in the cellar. I go ahead and, um, uh, you know, look it up. So it's something different. Uh, it's called Built by Pictures by Blue Jacket Brewing out of Washington, D.C. It's an oak-aged, spontaneously fermented ale with strawberries, raspberries, blackberry, blueberry, and vanilla. Uh, 6%. If you've ever heard me talk about Blue Jacket before, they're a pretty crazy brewery. Um, I've not really had too many mixed fermentation ales because usually those are like open-air beers. You get like a, like a funky, like kind of tart taste. Uh, mm. And I get a lot of that off the nose, but I'm really intrigued by the number of fruits that are in this one, uh, because I think, uh, especially with the vanilla there, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, and I can tell you from the beginning, it pours a a very nice uh, dark red hue there that you can see. It doesn't almost look like um, cranberry juice, but it kind of does, like a, a little bit lighter in color. It's got a really nice uh, red hue to it. Let's take a little sip here. Nice way of working on that. I'm going to start de-waxing mine because... Uh... See, he's always got to one-up me, everyone. He's always got to one-up me. I drink the IPA, he drinks the IPA. He gets a bigger whale. I get a whale, he goes and finds Moby Dick. I get a mixed fermentation ale, he gets a wax tip beer. Is this what we're doing now, Tim? Do I have to start breaking out the wax tip beers? I'm going I'm to I'm hold off on my, my judgment on this one. There, there's one saving grace in the reason I, I got this one, but we gotta we got to pump the brakes a little bit on, on calling this one a whale. Let's, we're, we're not so, there yet. The only thing I don't taste in this right now is the vanilla. All the other fruit, mm-hmm. uh, and the acidity, the funkiness, it's coming through. It's definitely, definitely very good. Um, it is cold outside now. Cold for Virginia, like 50s, 60s. So this is not exactly a, a winter beer, if you would. This is probably more of a, a summer or a spring type beer. Um, not bad. I don't drink a lot of mixed fermentation ales, so if I were going to give it a frame of reference... I don't really have many things to compare it to. I do like all the flavors that's in it. I think it's it's fantastic. 6%, it's eminently drinkable. You could have this entire 16.9-ounce bottle and then probably another one while you're out on the patio. Maybe as a nice treat after you mow the lawn. Uh, but I live in a townhouse, and I have no lawn, so I would never do that. So I would probably just sip on it on the, on the back porch while it's excruciatingly hot because this is a very refreshing beer, and it is cold as shit outside. So refreshing. Maybe the wrong timing, but I, I had to, I had to go and try and one up you, but you one up me anyway. I'm gonna give this uh, a 4.0. I think this is really good. It's a very clean, very clean beer, um, very very delicious and drinkable. But I just don't have a big enough frame of reference to say this is the best mixed firm you have ever had. You know, and I don't even know that's mm-hmm. that's like a weird beer term. <laughs> I. Uh... I, again, I'm I'm still hesitating on uh, calling this one a whale of any type, mostly because I don't uh, I don't know what to expect out of it. You know, it's a at the end of the day, it's a it's a harpoon beer. Uh, 
But uh, what caught my eye on this one, so I'm drinking, it's called the Bach Hog, and it's a double Bach lager that's barrel-aged in the Boss Hog series. It's the Boss Hog 7. Uh, anybody who doesn't know what that is, uh, Whistle Pig, it's a, you know, somewhat high-end, semi-sought-after uh, whiskey, um, but they're straight Y series, um, straight rye. This is uh, this is from one of their casks. So it's been aged in some pretty high quality uh, rye whiskey. So even though it's a harpoon uh, lager, I thought that might be enough to kind of bolster it. And uh, like I said, it's a wax top. Um, and I, I, the smell as soon as I opened this was fantastic. So I got some high hopes for this. So let's let's. Give it a go. Let's see what we got. It's got a lot of like cinnamon and something sweet to it. I can't quite figure it out. It looks like a barley wine right out of the bottle. Look at that sucker. Oh yeah. And I'm a I'm a huge barley wine fan. Um of, of course time of year. What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> you, I don't know what that means. you like you like whiskeys and and uh, and scotches and stuff, so it's not surprising to me that you would get a a um, a very very malt forward rye based beer type. That you'd be like, I could drink a barley wine any day. I could drink a barley wine yeah. any day too, but you need to have a gun to my head before I do it. Ah, oh, jeez. All right, so this is only nine percent actually. I thought it's I thought it would be a little higher than that, which is which is good. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know quite how to describe. So first, the flavor is 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 pretty good. It's not it's not a bad beer. I don't want anyone to think my reaction to that was that this was a bad beer. What I can't quite do is put my finger on how to describe it because it's a lager. It has a somewhat mild taste to it, right? It doesn't have like a bold stout or or uh barley wine type flavor that you would normally get when you when when they do a lot of these barrel aging the fact that it's a double bock lager means that it started pretty mild um <laughs> this is not what i was expecting at all especially with the whistle pig too you would think that you're gonna get a massive well that's massive what i'm saying so so what you te- what you seem to, i mean what you get is like a watered down rye flavor without a lot of beer mixed into it. Um, which for me is a little bit of a problem because I'm not a big rye whiskey guy, but a lot of times when rye is used in some of the barrel aging, that harsh rye flavor kind of falls off a little bit. You end up with more of that sort of traditional whiskey flavor with like hints of rye. And that I do that I do like, but like a normal glass of straight rye, not exactly my favorite. Um, so that in mind, like that mixed with a, a lager sort of mellows out the flavor enough that it's not, I, I, I don't know, it's not whiskey. It, it doesn't have a strong enough whiskey taste for me to be like, oh, this is amazing. And it doesn't have enough of a beer taste for me to say that this is a great beer. So it's, I don't, I don't know. I don't. Ooh. I, yeah. I'm, it I'm sounds kinda, to me. 
And I, I don't give me your rating, and then I'll tell you what I think it is. So here's how I'll classify it: it tastes like you mixed a glass of whiskey. You put like a, a three to one ratio of whiskey to like a Bud Light. Ooh. Is what it kind of tastes like, Ooh. where it has like a mild beer hint to it. Um, but not enough whiskey flavor to it to kind of save it. It's kind of like somewhere in the middle. I think this is for someone who's trying to get into barrel aged beers. This might be like a perfect landing spot for you to kind of get in and try just to kind of see what the melding of those two flavors might look like. I tend to be more on the, um, uh, like the darker beer, like the, you know stouts and barley wines doesn't always have to be like an adjunct stout but like a stout or a barley wine or something a little darker um i've had like an amber ale mix i mean that's been barrel aged like that's great but the fact that they chose a lager for this and i know lager just describes the brewing style for the double block the double block tends to have a little bit more flavor than what you would get out of a, a traditional bud light or miller light or pilsner or something like that it, it does have more uh more flavor to it it's just all so muted here because of, I don't know, the, the two mixings that you don't get a strong sense of either one of them. So I'm going to give it like a 3-5. Ooh. 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 No, I mean, it's, it's, I would, it's, it's not bad. I, it tastes almost like a table beer, actually. Mm. If you were to take a table beer, um, something, you know, not on the tart side, something like on the mild side, and you kind of, I don't know, mixed it with a little, a little whiskey. I think that's kind of what you end up here. It's uh it's very unique, but it's not doesn't stand out either way. If you if you're a hardcore rye fan, you might actually like this more than I do, but I'm not a rye fan. So it I might be giving a lower score than someone who does like Whistlepig or a lot of the 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 bigger ryes that are out there, or anybody who's a fan of the Boss Hog um that cask series or that that barrel series. You might actually like this. Uh, for me, it's it's like just okay, just okay. It's a little bit better than a lager. What if I told you there was an artist who was too country for rap, but too rap for country? Oh jeez, who, who would this be? Th- this is one Kid Rock. You are drinking the Kid Rock uh, of barrel aged beers right now because it's, it's not right. it's, it's not a barrel aged beer and it's not really doing too much for you as a lager. I mean, you said it was like whiskey dropped in a Bud Light, and when I heard that, I heard "Woo, Werewolves of London" and fucking Kid Rock. Not like old school Kid Rock. I'm talking like that, that Sweet Home Alabama all summer long bullshit song he came out with before his career, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, cozy uh, Dog. We'll say that. It, it, cozy it, 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 yeah, it's, um, it's, it's trying to live in like two lanes, and I don't know if it's quite bold enough to be in either of them but uh, for a harpoon beer i mean it's uh i mean it's 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 pretty good all things considering it's just not not what i was expecting and doesn't um doesn't fall into either one of those enough to really like stand out in either way so yeah beautiful i'll take that score awesome let's get into these these recaps um we're gonna go through them tim Tell me the one thing that stuck out from every one of these games to you, and I will do the same, limiting these run-on sentences. Uh, I had the Thursday night game between the Packers and the Cardinals. I love speaking losses into existence. Uh, Kyler Murray, zero passing touchdowns. Play of the game that you've probably seen, I don't know how many times, walking down the field, going to win the game, throws it to A.J. Green. A.J. completely misses that he's the hot route. (laughs) Uh, Sails right by him. 
the DB just knocks it up to himself, promptly picks it off. The game's over. Uh, absolutely a fantastic way for that Thursday night to end on a gaffable moment. Uh, did you see what I did there? Green Bay now on the top of the NFC. Uh, <clears throat> so I, I ate a loss to start this one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not opposed to the jury. Let Joey roar movement. I'm just not uh, sold on it the same way. Um, still, still not entirely sold on it. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> he, he came out and played well. Unfortunately, he went into a uh, buzzsaw in what was a standout performance for a first time quarterback, uh, who has not played or had a start since he was drafted years ago, came out, uh, 37 to 45, 405 yards, the Jersey and the ball, Already in the uh, already enshrined in the Hall of Fame, uh, <clears throat> so good for this guy. Uh, because of him, I'm taking the Jets tonight, uh, bearing the lead there uh, against the yeah. the Colts. Even though I thought, you know, there, there's there's some room for some magic on in, on the indie side, but uh, yeah, that's my one takeaway from this game. Jets beat the Bengals uh, on the back of a nobody. Who is now the talk of the uh, talk of the town? Ties Cam Newton as the uh, one of two quarterbacks since like the 1950s that in their debut threw for over 400 yards. So pretty, pretty good performance. Pretty crazy, pretty crazy indeed. Titans Colts. This game went to OT, and I thought for sure that the Titans were going to win. And uh, welcome back AJ Brown. 11 targets, 10 receptions, a buck 55 yards, and a score. Carson Wentz. Was the leading story in this one. He tossed a pair of touchdowns and then also tossed a back-breaking interception in OT. Derrick Henry broke his foot in this game, out for the season. An absolute devastating loss for the Titans, even though they won the game. Uh, All right. Uh, I'm following up that one with the uh, Rams-Texans game. Uh, This one, Stafford came out. Played well again. I think at this point, nobody's expecting anything from the Texans. So not much to break down. This one was expected. Uh, I I feel like at this point, Stafford has really sort of found his groove with that team. You're going to start seeing them continue on down this path, dominating, you know, some of these mediocre teams. They move on to seven and one. And in my opinion, one of the teams to watch uh, as we transition to the second half of the season. Yes, indeed. Steelers Brown, Nick Chubb is back in the game, but Najee Harris is the best running back in the AFC North. That's no exaggeration. Buck 20 yards, touchdown. Another nearly 100 yards for Deontay Johnson. Made Big Ben look pretty decent in this outing. Now, they needed a touchdown in the fourth quarter to go ahead and win the game 15-10, to 10, but there are a lot, a lot of questions that I have about the Browns. Not all of it has to do with why Odell Beckham has pretty much virtually disappeared from the roster, but Steelers. Sneaky good being four and three. Eagles, uh, Lions. This is an interesting one only because uh, it was a blowout, but not in the way that you would expect. Everyone thought uh, Jalen Hurts was going to come out, play incredibly well, kind of redeem himself, and you thought that might have happened based off of this score. Uh, That is not uh, at all what happened. Uh, because he had uh, 103 yards total in this game, and that was it. Most of these came by way of the running ground, uh, or, I mean, of the ground game. In fact, 
all of them came from the ground game. Um, Goff. I don't understand what's going on on the line side. I don't know if he's the one to blame or coaching's the one to blame. He didn't have a terrible game. Their just game plan itself is awful. Their coaching and game planning all season has been awful, if not predictable. So uh, if you thought Jalen Hurts is why they won this game, uh, he is not the reason they won this game. It was some stellar, uh, stellar running and some very, very poor uh, play on the – side of the lines so that team r.i.p <laughs> oh and eight uh 49ers bears i hate that i got this one right because i was trash talking jimmy g all week to my buddy greg lamenting it was time for trey lance to come back in because jimmy g is not that good and then jimmy g decides to go the fuck off this week but it also helps when debo samuel converts a third and 20 for 80 yards and is burly dragged down at the goal line um elijah mitchell huge Huge 100-plus rushing day again. Jimmy G, two rushing touchdowns. Um, it was great to see the San Francisco 49ers drop 18 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, they got four sacks on Justin Fields, and Garoppolo didn't get touched once. The market improvement for the defense. Um, they won handily, 33, Chicago 22. Uh, Panthers-Falcons. Uh, I, thought the, I thought the Panthers, you know, wouldn't stand a chance in most games without McCaffrey. Uh, however, this one turned out to be a defensive showcase, if nothing else, because both quarterbacks were held uh, pretty much 150 yards or less. Um, Ryan coughed up a fumble, constantly under pressure. Darnold, same. Uh, QBR ratings for both of them is uh in the high 60s so this game itself if you're an old school defensive minded fan who loves to see you know those sort of games just smash mouth football that's kind of what you got in here super low scoring game falcons failed to take advantage of any uh any of the opportunities that they had in place carolina came in just squeaked out a win so uh big loss for me big win for both of their defenses mccaffrey may be back this weekend so that's going to kind of change some of the picks. Dolphins, Bills, going to halftime, tied three points apiece. I was definitely panicking. Looking at this week's show notes and being like, did I pick the wrong team? <laughs> did I pick with my heart instead of my brain? <laughs> Thankfully, I trusted the superior offense to get the job done, and that they did. Josh Allen ended the day with 300 total yards, three touchdowns total, zero picks. Cole Beasley decided he wasn't going to be stopped from not getting a vaccine or amassing 10 receptions on 13 targets for a buck 10 yards. Um, do a toss it as many times as he could, 39, connected on 21 of them, 205 yards in a pick. You're not going to win games that way. Uh, nice to see the run game going for Miami with Miles Gaskin and Savannah Med. But at the end of the day, the Bills did what they needed to do. They came out of a bye week, they got spooled back up, and they won a crucial division game. Bills 26, Miami 11. <clears throat> so you entered in our show notes. What voodoo do I know of? Uh, yeah, you, you of could take more than you know, a quick a quick second on this one. I'm sure. Go ahead, Tim. Go no, ahead. No, no. Talk no, no. about how you called this one fucking right from the beginning. I, I no, no, no. I, I won't take any more time than my allotment. Um, all I'll say is the, the that voodoo is a one Bill Belichick, right? Like anytime you go up against the Belichick team, it's always uh, a multifaceted problem 
right? A lot of times you go into a game, you look at who the quarterback is, what their offense looks like, and everyone tends to stack those two teams up against each other with some light consideration in the defense. Uh, whenever you go into the Patriots house, you have to, or whenever you go up against the Patriots in general, whether it's home or away, you have to account for the game planning of Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick and their entire defensive roster. This ended up being, uh, you know, a, a pretty decent game offensively for them, but more so this was about game planning and limiting the chargers to any sort of explosive plays, uh, at least as much as possible. Um, this is just, I mean, they came out, they executed uh, defensively, you know, pretty well. They kept Herbert uh, to 223 yards. He was 18 of 35, finished with a QBR rating of 66.7. He had two interceptions, uh, did have two, uh, two touchdowns, but he was constantly under pressure. They had three sacks. Um, Jones came out. He played decent. You know, he didn't throw any touchdowns, but. It, this one was all about uh, the defensive game planning and the way they were able to execute. So not, you know, don't need any additional time to, to tell you that we, we've seen them go up against some difficult teams like Tampa Bay and put up games where they almost took it to, to Tampa Bay. So, you know, I think that's something that we, we keep forgetting, even though Brady is no longer in New England and they're not winning with their quarterbacks that they've had in the position for the last few years. Uh, you're still forgetting the game planning and the and the uh, the coaching that Belichick is able to to put out there. So the the comparisons we've seen over the last few years with Brady and the success that he's having versus Belichick and in the, the troubles that he's having, the difference is one's on a team full of all stars and former all stars. The other one's on a team that uh, historically has been more budget friendly, uh, that is injury plagued. And is still trying to figure out their quarterback position, but defensively, even with their banged up secondary, they're still putting games together and finding ways to at least compete with good teams. I know their record is four and four, but they're probably the better of the four and four teams that are in that mix, just based off of their their defensive ability. I'd agree. I'd agree. Seattle, Jacksonville, Halle, fucking Luya. Let me caveat this by saying I know it's the Jaguars. But, man, it's good to see playmakers for Seattle come out and play. And by that, I mean Tyler Lockett, 142 of Geno Smith, 195 yards in the day. Caught practically everything that was thrown his way. To Kayla Metcalf, two touchdowns. One got a penalty for excessive celebration. When he jumped onto the goalpost like Antonio Brown did a couple of years ago, hugged it like a koala bear. Geno Smith even had a rushing touchdown on fourth down. This game was incredible. It was a nice get-right game. I understand it's the Jags. I mean, Seattle went up 17-0 at halftime. And my buddy Nick messaged our group and he said, they're going to find a way to fuck this up, aren't they? And they didn't. A very, very relatively stress-free Seattle Seahawks game. They pretty much shut out the Jags for four quarters, allowed them to score a meaningless seven points in the final two minutes. Seahawks 31, Jacksonville 7. Uh, Broncos, Washington football team. I hate that I have to say that every single time. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I keep waiting for Denver to kind of piece it together. Unfortunately, Teddy Bridgewater tends to go back and forth in consistency. The Washington football team is just the Washington football team. You don't know what you're going to get week in and, and, and week out. Um, uh, Taylor Heineke threw two interceptions in this one um, and a touchdown. So all the good things he does string together, he's still finding ways to kind of screw up and give that over. He had two fumbles as well. 
they they did hold on to the ball, but that's going to hurt every single time. Um, Teddy, kind of an okay game. 19, 20, 19 of 26, 213 yards, did throw a, a touchdown, but this is another one of those sort of two struggling teams going up against each other. Obviously, so, someone has to win in this case. Um, I keep waiting for the Broncos to kind of piece things together. I don't think Teddy's that guy. I don't know if this is something they're going to be able to turn around this season. They'll win a few more games against some of these other struggling teams, but um, this is this is the only time I was going to pick uh, Denver in any of these games, I think. And, uh, you know, it bit me in the ass this time as well. So, all right. Happens. No, no, no. I, 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 did, I picked the Broncos this time. I did pick the Broncos right. this time. This will be the only time I do pick them. But I will not be picking them again at any point this season against anybody who has a semi-mediocre <laughs> offense. <clears throat> Buck Saints. I put in the show notes, oof. Look, Tom Brady did not lose to smoking Jameis Winston, but to Trevor Simeon. Just go ahead and look up that guy's history. He's bouncing around from team to team. Uh, Winston got hurt, got an ACL injury, done for the year in this game. Uh, the Saints defense does exactly what it needs to do when it needs to do it. Yet in the same way that the Saints can allow back-breaking plays, like Cyril Grayson's 50-yard bomb from Tom Brady for a score, they can also create back-breaking takeaways. And they can make sure the game doesn't end the way you think it's going to. Brady ended with 375 yards, four touchdowns, two picks. The last pick came as the Bucs were driving to win the game. P.J. Williams took it back 40 yards to the house, put the game away for good. This is a very heated division battle. At best, the Bucs can split the series. And just terrible. You feel very, very terrible for Winston. Obviously, the ceiling of the Saints now comes down a little bit lower because who do you really have a quarterback back there? Um, man, the Bucs learned a tough lesson here because you can't be caught sleeping or slipping against a division opponent, especially one that you're like three and four facing in the last couple of years. You're not really – like they have your number kind of. You need to take every one of these games, and you can't lose too many of them. Bucks. 27, Saints, 36. Uh, by the way, I wrote oof in those show notes as you were putting yours in because I wanted you to see that I was paying attention. I went, oof. What voodoo do you know of, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. I had uh, Cowboys and Vikings. And while I typed oof, you saw I typed oof because then you put LOL mm-hmm. uh, Cooper Rush because I actually because didn't I- see – Dak was not starting this game until a few minutes into this game. I saw your your Cooper rush, and I was like, "Wait, is Cooper rushing right now? Like, what is what does he mm-hmm. mean by this?" And I turned on, I was like, "Oh, you mean the actual quarterback who's playing in place of Dak Prescott?" And I was like, "Okay, well, yeah. this one's a loss. Uh, it was not a loss. That's why. Uh, that's why I put LOL Cooper rush. And then what happened? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> guy came out." Played his ass off. It was uh, I, I saw a meme or something like that over the weekend talking about um, all of the the quarterbacks who had to come in for starters just for Sunday night and the numbers that they put up and it was incredible. Like you know, guys like uh, Cooper Rush and and Simeon and everyone who filled in White, Mike White, they came in and put up these crazy numbers. Now they're not going to do that week in and week out. It's just sort of you know, happen to be a, a perfect recipe, but um, this is one the Vikings should have should have easily have had one, and they uh, did not do that. I mean, Cooper Rush wasn't perfect by any means. He he lost a fumble, he had an interception, but 
the man threw for 325 yards. He had two touchdowns. Um, I mean, overall, I'm, you know, I'm somewhat impressed uh, as to how he came in and, and handled it. Uh, but it's definitely one I was not expecting to go the Cowboys way. It just continues to kind of prove that everything is sort of falling in place for the Cowboys this season. I think uh, this is potentially one of the Cowboys seasons to, you know, take as far as they can. It's up to them to, to give this season away. There's a couple teams that are, are up there, but uh, the cards all seem to be falling uh, in favor of the Cowboys right now. And that was a prime example of it. Cause if you could have told me who Cooper rush was before Sunday night, uh, you know, I'd probably call you a liar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people <clears throat> shout out to Austin listener of this podcast. Um, you know, we're, we had, we had folks over, you know, cause it was trick or treating on Sunday. And uh, I just heard him say casually in passing, Ooh, Cooper Rush getting a start tonight. I said, what the fuck? I look in and, yep, sure as shit, Dak Prescott out. And so I was like, what am I going to have to do? Because that was, that was my quarterback. I had Matt Ryan as the backup. He wasn't starting. So let me tell you about my one savior, Daniel Jones, okay? Giants-Chiefs in Monday night game. Beginning of this game, you're thinking to yourself, what the fuck, Chiefs? And the Chiefs come back. You say, okay. And then you go, what the fuck, Chiefs? And then you say, yeah. okay. Why do they continue to do too much? Why do these interceptions continue to happen? Then you start thinking after halftime, you're like, the Giants are really about to beat the Chiefs. This is going to happen. Kelsey turns it over in the fourth quarter. Evan Engram scores a touchdown. Of course he does. Chiefs, what the fuck are you doing? Holy shit. Miko Hardman, touchdown, third and nine. Oh, wait. No, it didn't count. Comes back. Are we in the upside down here? Tie game 17-17. This is not a drill. The Giants have the AFC's Super Bowl representative from last season on the ropes. This gave me like big Fury Wilder vibes, and I'm uncomfortable. And then they just do whatever they got to do. They win the game. Chiefs 20, Giants 17. And that's how week eight ended, which is pretty insane, all things considered. Recap of the picks. You already know that I'm still within striking distance. Tim, this week was not the best week for you, picks-wise. Maga five. I got... Five yeah, right. seven. And I got and I got six. No. Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, I got did. six. Got night. Yep. So That's I am you now. Had eight, you had eight games to pick from this week. I'm, oh, I'm seeing the math here. I got to go back and look through and see bummer. how any any week that you start and end, I think you have Currently, uh, additional picks. Yeah. Currently, I have 33. You have 36. Still within striking distance. Yeah. You haven't got rid of me yet, mm-hmm. Tim. <laughs> All right. Before we hop into the – well, actually, Sam, let's just Sam, hop into Sam's, the – Sam's cheating over here real quick. Nah, I'm not cheating over here. Um, a lot of momentous news that happened this week. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we were missing if we didn't talk about some of it before we get into this week's picks um, as the Thursday night game is going on in the background. So trade deadline came and went. Some players removed, but a couple big, big names. Um, Vaughn Miller traded yeah. from the Broncos to the Rams, who have the Monstars on defense. They finally have a competent quarterback. Um, absolute trash. I don't I don't understand. This defense now has Aaron Donald and Von Miller on the line. How is that fair? This is why Russell Wilson says, what the fuck? Give me more offensive line help. I need more mm-hmm. weapons. I can't survive against a line like this. And Jalen Ramsey is going to do whatever the hell he wants back there. How are you supposed to stop those players? I don't understand it. I really don't. But I'm happy for the Rams because they're doing all of this just for Tom Brady to win. <laughs> 36 to 31 in the, in the NFC championship game this year. So, you know, if, if that's what it'll be, that's what it'll be. Um, 
Odell Beckham was not traded at the deadline. A lot of players thought he might be. A lot of teams thought they might be in the running for him. Uh, that did not happen whatsoever. Very, very quizzical. Uh, the guy has been largely non-existent from uh, the lineup. He's caught a couple passes here and there. Then there was some social media stuff with a video of all the times that he was supposedly open that Baker just didn't throw him the ball. From his, um, from his dad. Yeah. His dad so posted, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been uh, not good, and he's still on the team. Um, and it, it reminds me of the Deshaun Watson situation now. I say reminds me because the team is keeping a player that clearly doesn't want to be there, and they're not integrating that player, and they're not getting the best value out of that player. They're essentially tanking the player's value to be able to move them in the offseason. I'm not a big fan of it. I really don't. Um, you brought in Odell. You thought it was going to help your team, and it didn't. Move on from him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, if you're saying that the wideouts aren't healthy and that's why you're keeping them, get him more involved in the game, which has not been happening. So it's just very quizzical. Um, but of course, the flurry before the end of the trade deadline was that the Dolphins owner actually talked to Deshaun Watson and then sort of made a, made a decision that like, no, we're not going to go for him. After saying they stood behind Tua the entire time. Uh, that is a very, very messy situation in there whatsoever. Um, and the Texans are clear that they're just going to pay this guy for the rest of the season. And the league is clear that they don't have enough evidence to put him on the commissioner's exempt list who's going to make money, accrue kind of a season, and not get hurt, not get any field reps. Um, and then they're going to try and trade him again in the offseason. Just very, very odd, very odd behavior that, 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 that happened to. And a lot of these trades happened before the trade deadline. So as it's been in the past, it was a relatively quiet day with just a whole bunch of hubbub speculation. But, oh, my God, after the trade deadline finished, were we in for a bombshell series of breaking news in the mm -hmm. NFL? Tim, what happened with the Las Vegas Raiders? Oof, 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 oof. So, at this point, uh, unless you have uh, been living under a rock, you've heard the unfortunate news uh, of the – uh, Henry Ruggs the third uh, incident that took place uh, earlier this week in which he uh, was in a uh, early morning car accident um, reportedly going 165 miles an hour uh, down a main road and then rear-ended another vehicle um, which killed the driver of that vehicle um, tested uh, like three times the legal limit. Uh, you know, obviously in all of these drunk driving DUI cases, he, you know, had some bumps and bruises, but came away somewhat unscathed, uh, at least physically. But um, that man's life is uh, over at this point. Um, football career is over. He was as soon as the DUI came up, it started raising questions. And then as more details came out, about the incident itself, uh, it became very apparent very quickly that uh, that was not going to end well for anybody. And he was uh, almost immediately released by um, by the, the Raiders. Now, since then, Derek Carr has come out and, you know, while not taking away any sympathy from the family, is uh, trying to show some support for Ruggs, saying that, uh, you know, at, at this point, in his life and with what he's going through, he, he needs love. He needs someone there to like try to support him as he, as he gets through this, because it wasn't something that was done on, you know, 
there's a lot of people go back and forth with DUIs and DUI accidents and, and saying it's not on purpose or it wasn't intentional or anything like that. Like removing all that aside, he's still a human being. He is probably completely devastated as well. You would hope at this time. And, um, you know, Carr sort of said, if no one's going to be there to support him, I'll at least be the one that's there to, to try and help him get through this. Um, you know, thoughts to the family, um, you know, that's, it's just a terrible situation all the way around. He was easily on track for a hundred million dollar career. Uh, he made more than enough money to pay someone to drive him around. Could have been an Uber, could have been a driver, uh, just some poor decisions that tends to happen when you give, you know, 22 year olds millions and millions and millions of dollars and, you know, fame and a little bit of freedom. It's really unfortunate. And the bad decisions kept on coming after it was announced that, uh, Quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, tested positive for COVID-19. He will not make the second annual State Farm Bowl, which is the matchup between the Chiefs and the Packers, which is going on this weekend. Um, we would have known Rodgers' vaccination status. Most of the media thought they knew Rodgers' vaccination status as he had made a comment uh, in training camp this year that he had been immunized. immunized. And... That, we found out, was due to a homeopathic remedy that he did with his doctor to raise his antibodies, and he thought that was an equitable treatment. The NFL did not consider that uh, equitable treatment. <laughs> so they denied his, his exception uh, to the policy. He has been, of course, um, speaking with the media every single week, sans a mask, which non-vaccinated players are supposed to wear a mask at all of those yep. times. Um, even though there's been reports that he's wore masks in the building, um, it does not look good. It does not look good for the NFL when they're fining Isaiah McKenzie and Cole Beasley into next week for not wearing a mask one time um, in in the building or kind of tacitly refusing to get the vaccine. It's done a lot of damage, I think, to the NFL's vaccine program and their initiative when you have one of the league faces, last year's MVP, openly not following the policy. Now, had before training camp, had you, you said, hey, I went and got the antibodies up. Nope, that's not going to work. Oh, by the way, you need to wear a mask. Fantastic. Someone from the league office was aware of this. Someone from the team, the Green Bay Packers, was definitely aware of this. At no point did anyone come in and say, Aaron messed up. At no point did anyone hold Aaron Rodgers accountable. And if you're one of the fans who thinks that there's a standard for you and a standard for me, you would be correct in, in, in thinking that. Um, as a result, the earliest time that Rodgers can come back to the facility presuming he doesn't continue to test positive for coronavirus, is the day <laughs> before the Week 10 game against the Seattle Seahawks in Lambeau Field. That's insane. Um, we have seen so much over the pandemic season last year with no fans uh, and playing in a bubble. We've seen so many leagues have uh, great stories be written and their entire seasons come apart. I'm very, very upset that a guy like Rodgers decided to think his homeopathic method was going to be enough. And when the NFL said, no, it's not, he clearly made a decision to not pursue the vaccine after telling reporters he'd been you know, immunized and saying, hey, I support my teammates. Uh, a couple of the wide receivers, one was vaccinated, one was not. Alan Lazard obviously is not vaccinated. You can tell because when someone hits the COVID reserve list, if they have two negative tests and they're vaccinated, they can, they can usually play that week. So when the league says, oh, this person is uh, on the COVID reserve list and the earliest they can come back is this date, you don't even have to tell us what the vaccination status is. We know at that point. 
You're not taking tests. You're not immunized. You're not vaccinated. The two are not synonymous, right? The league had many, many chances to get this right. There should have been internal pressure. And I think they were probably dealing with the fallout of the Raiders and the Washington football team investigation. There's still no excuse for that. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed in Rodgers. I, I expect for someone who has last dance aspirations for his team this year um, to be out for two games. Yeah, that's 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 a rookie move. That that's something that that a, a quarterback does before they hit their 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 second you know contract. And even with the the cam thing too, like from the season, there are consequences to this, right? You yep. need to be very familiar with the policy. And if you're unvaccinated and you travel, what does that mean? Uh, if you're a close contact, what does that mean? And you know, Denver, for example, last year had close contacts where everyone in their quarterback room was not able to play because they're all close contacts and someone tested positive. Yep. Yet Aaron Rodgers is out there, raw dog in the air with no mask. Uh, it, yeah. You know, to, to put it vulgarly, that's, that's kind of what it is. Now, we're, we're very fortunate there's not been any more, you know, confirmed positives, but the Giants had a string of uh, confirmed false positives this week with Saquon Barkley. So they've actually resorted to digital meetings, um, a virtual meetings, mm-hmm. if you will, to, to not increase their chance and their risk because – at this point in the season, with teams on by or injuries happening the way they are, you just can't risk that. And I would have yeah. thought that the NFL's policy was so well-defined that there was fines. And I hope, I hate to say it, but if you're going to find the shit out of Isaiah McKenzie and Cole Beasley, then Aaron Rodgers has to pay a fine too. 100%. And this isn't to say that we are, you know, our personal opinions aside in terms of vaccinations and what your beliefs are in terms of whether you think it's right in terms of COVID and separating all vaccines, we're t- strictly about COVID related vaccinations and whatnot. Obviously, you know, Stan- Sam and I are very much for them. I've been vaccinated. I'm already uh, on the list for my booster. We're, we're looking for our son and whatnot. But if you are going to choose not to be vaccinated, uh, that's fine. As long as you also then follow the protocols that have been put in place, this has nothing to do with, Oh, well, if everyone else is vaccinated, why do I have to wear a mask? Well, that's because you're a carrier and there are breakthrough cases and you're more likely to get it. There's there's a million and one reasons. I don't we're not going to break all those down. You guys can do it on your own. Stop. Think about it like stop, this, Tim. Stop believing everything you see on the on the Internet and just understand that <laughs> you are a higher risk when you are not vaccinated than when you are vaccinated. And it, a, a mask is a, a simple way to, to help mitigate some of that. Think about it like this. Let's say that you don't believe that you should have a license to drive a car. That your dad is a fantastic driver of logging trucks, for example, and you've been driving on logging roads your entire life, and you can operate tractors and do everything, and you don't have a license. You're not really worried about it. And you get pulled over. You don't have a license. You're driving a car without a license. That, that's a pretty big deal, right? You're not following the rules. And you say, no, 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 no. I have this home training my dad gave me. I can drive skidders and you know tractors and everything. That's fantastic but you're a liability on this road because you have not learned the rules of the road. And I can't trust that you're going to make the right decision on this road because you've not gone through the licensure. It's, it's not a right. It's a privilege and you have to do things to be able to earn that. So essentially that's what Aaron Rodgers did. He said, I have this home, uh, this homeopathic treatment and I think it's going to give me better antibodies. Cool. Fantastic. You can do that in conjunction with everything else. If you had done that treatment and you decided to wear a mask this entire time, everyone would have inferred after about two weeks, he's not vaccinated. And you would have been subject to those things. And if you took the mask off, like Isaiah McKenzie and Cole Beasley, you know, you'll be fine. And we keep, I keep talking about those two players because the NFL put them under glass as subject A and subject B. 
You step out, this is the, the rule. And yet, we spent on the tail end of this whirlwind 48-hour trade deadline, rugs DUI, everything that's going on, and then the COVID thing, and you're just like, why are we still talking about this? Yeah. We, we have been dealing with this for a long time. We're finally having fans back in the stands, and you're telling me that the quarterback, the leader of the team, is putting his team sort of in jeopardy. You're 7-1, you're and one, you're top of the NFC, and shit, if Jordan Love is not always cracked up to be, when when Rodgers comes back, they could be seven and three. You, mm. you could you could start a descent on the season. You're not able to come back up from. And was that really worth it? Because you did your alternative treatment. And the NFL already said, yeah, it's on file. Thanks for your service, but no, we're not accepting. Yeah, yes. and I I don't understand how. Okay, I, I I I there are some value in some homeopathic methods and whatnot. But unless I mean, what what is his? antibody buildup is he like exposing himself to is it is he taking the chicken pox approach and he's just exposing himself to uh people who have covid or something i don't understand how you organically build up a resistance to something that your body has not been introduced to at some yeah. point or another so i don't know um one other quick note on the rugs thing uh to add to all of that uh they ended up finding a loaded pistol in his car after the fact so not only was his uh, his blood alcohol limit uh, over twice the legal limit, but there was a gun that they found as well. So that man is, uh, you know, he's got a lot of money. So you never know quite how it's going to pan out. But he uh, he's looking at some significant jail time. So, you know, and, and there has been a lot of hubbub on social media about the way that the information has been put out. And it's been like uh, whenever someone gets a, a tidbit of information, everyone rushes to the, to the Twitter wire to go ahead and put it out. Um, you know, people are saying, why are you putting out that, you know, he has a gun in his car? Well, we don't know what the open carry laws are in that state. We don't know if you're allowed to have possession. Uh, the fact that someone careens into the back of someone else's car at over 150 miles an hour lives to tell the tale, but watches the person literally succumb to the flames. Um, there are too many things that are going on there Yeah, and you need as many details as possible. Maybe we don't like the way in which the details are, are coming out. But we've lived in this breaking news cycle for over a decade now. Yeah. Uh, when something happens, nothing is secret anymore. It's out. And um, really, it is, it is up to not only the court of public opinion, but the actual courts now to figure out what the, what the punishment is going to be for Henry Ruggs since he's been released from the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Like, we don't know what local laws are, but like a, a two-second Google search... Uh, found an, an attorney listing that says uh, <clears throat> is possession of a firearm while intoxicated a felony. And according to MCL 750.237 dictates that individuals shall not carry, possess, have under control, or use a firearm if they are under the influence of alcohol and or a controlled substance. This is a misdemeanor offense, though. It can't escalate to a felony if you carry serious impairment or you cause serious impairment uh, to another individual by discharging or using the firearm. Obviously that's not what he did in the case. And um, I mean, there is a lot of, you know, stipulations and, and breakdowns that go through a lot of, you know, if or, or whatever's that could go into that. But uh, I, I do believe that regardless of states rights to carry uh, federally, if you are under the influence uh, of any sort of substance, uh, I think that uh, sort of precedes anything to do with like state laws and you are 
prohibited from having one in your possession. The fact that he was, you know, over twice the legal limit and possessed it, I think that's why it's a big part of the story. I think that's why it's being reported. You know, there's a lot of back and forth on the legitimacy of the report, if there was some, you know, racial motivation between why it was released and whatnot. But um, it seems like in this case, it is a factor because uh, if if they find a way to rope that into to what's already going on, uh, it could add extra years to his sentence if it does get elevated to a felony. Um, again, from what we just read, and this is obviously a 22nd Google search and and, and validating information, I, I, I can tell that this is a, a legal penal code number. So um, yeah. it, it, there is a, a statute there that that comes into play. Um, if it's a misdemeanor, obviously just kind of gets tacked on and, and nothing comes of it, but, um, I don't know the ins and outs. I'm not an attorney. This is not, this is not legal advice. Uh, yeah, this is me just sure. saying don't do that. what we have found and what I had suspected previously was that, uh, being under the influence in any capacity tends to change the, the way that particular infraction is viewed. That's. I'm assuming why more and more people have been reporting it and why it's become more of a story than what some people think it should be. And I also think it's it's important to remember here too that like the information we're getting is 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 uh, metabytes. It's, it's not the full story. It's not full context, yeah. right? It's just it's this thing. It's this this is where the person lived. This is the name of the dog that happened to also die in the crash. Oh, by the way, there's a loaded gun. Um, uh, there seems to be a, a preponderance of things like this being reported, which is why you certainly could draw racial inferences to it. We don't have enough evidence to say it's, it's a thing, you know, more or not. Um, but what we can do is say, listen, what you may have heard is the soundbite. We're going to dig just a little bit deeper here. And that's what we did. Uh, just a, you know, a simple Google search, but you know, you can look in the penal code statutes and, you know, federal laws, all things like that. Uh, it is a, just at the end of the day, a very devastating situation for all the parties involved. Thoughts to both parts of uh, of that whole situation. So tough, tough All right. week. Yeah, tough week indeed. Uh, so th- that'll that'll do it for this news. Let's get into these picks. Um, we'll kind of finish this up here on this episode of Stats and Matter. Tim, I'm within striking distance. Okay, you know mm-hmm. I, I can I can have a couple more of these weeks where I get uh, six and you get five. But if I fuck around and get seven one week and you get five, I can close this gap. And then that Baker Mayfield jersey. Is looking gonna be looking pretty good on you, and you might be over two on these jersey bets. But I did it's tell everyone the other day um, when we were, you know, had people over for you know trick or treating, put the fire pit out in the, in the in the driveway, and had the nice big bowls of candy out. Um, I, I was telling everyone about the bet, and I said, you know, Tim's got to wear a Baker Mayfield jersey. And they said, what about you? And I said, mm-hmm, Tom Brady. And they're like, wait, hold on, what? And my wife was like, what? What kind of what kind of jersey? I was like. A Tom Brady jersey, but not just any Tom Brady jersey. Like one of those Etsy ones. It's like part Bucks and part Patriots. And I, I got a, I got a healthy, healthy amount of ribbing for that. So I need to make sure that these picks are, are locked because we're yeah. almost approach, you know, approaching halfway through the year. Um, so I need to make sure we're absolutely in lockstep uh, every step of the way. And then I try and win some of those games uh, to make sure that you are wearing the ugliest of jerseys coming into the yeah. season. All right. I mean, it could be worse than Baker, but I mean, whatever. <clears throat> All right. So this one's an interesting one because the game is currently underway. Um, I My phone is away, so I don't buzz or, or do anything uh, for the podcast or anything. Uh, and I haven't looked up the score because my internet is going slow and Sam is already seeing me go into robot mode. So I don't know where the game is currently at. 
at the moment. Um, I have been pulling for Wentz to have some form of turnaround all season. Um, Mike White, though, coming out last week and playing the way that he did, you don't know if that's just sort of uh, you know a, a flash in the pan that turns into fool's gold or you know some other old timey analogy, but. Um, that is something that kind of makes this an interesting choice. Sam and I had been talking earlier and I was, I was trying to lock in a pick before the game started. Uh, I'm second guessing myself a little bit because I, I thought it was the giants. I mean, I, sorry, I was, I was going to lean on the jets on the back of, uh, of, of this Mike white fella, but I don't know if about him. So I'm a little, I'm a little leery, but, um, <clears throat> this may come back. You know what? I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm I'm going back and forth and seesawing. I said I would probably lean Jets earlier, so I'll, I'll lean Jets now. Interesting. <clears throat> we'll see. There's still a lot of time left in the game. Still a lot of time for you to be right. Wait. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he already committed. All right, what we're moving on. Like? What, what, does it look, what does it look like right now? Uh, 28-10. Uh, oh, good. Good. <laughs> I was don't worry. There's plenty was... of time. It's funny time, I, Jim. I was actually, I was gonna pick the Colts, but because I said Jets earlier, I don't want it to seem like I had some other form of insider info that changed my mind, so hey, I had to stick with it. But there's still a whole God. other half of football. They can come back down eighteen, I suppose. <sighs> Who knows? Any given it Thursday. Wentz. It is once. We'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Well, we're starting this week off with a no. Yeah. <laughs> that was my intro to next week. <laughs> um, one o'clock games on Sunday. Atlanta, New Orleans. I got them first up. No Jameis in this game out for the year. Uh, Trevor Simeon, maybe Taysom Hill. Matt Ryan's hand was stepped on last week. His non-throwing hand was stepped on. Full cleat. Like blood, gore everywhere. Had to put a glove on to kind of keep his hand together. Um, this week is going to be a 17-14 kind of game. And I got to go Saints here based on their defense, based on the fact that Calvin Ridley decided he wanted to step away uh, from football from an indeterminate amount of time due to focusing on his mental health. Um, hmm. That offense has not found a way to get going. The Saints defense is a little bit better. They found a way to stop Tom Brady. But I think they could be able to handle Matt Ryan. So I'm going Saints here. Uh, <clears throat> Dallas, Denver. Uh, I told you I would not be picking Denver uh, probably at any other point in the season. That's not about to change. Um, Cooper Rush. Uh, I, I think we're going to end up in the same potential scenario that we're ending up with the Jets and and, and Mike White uh, currently. But I think Prescott is set to come back this week. He said there's no more pain. It's go time. So if he slides back in, um, you know, not not only that, but I also think that, you know, like I said, I think everything's sort of falling Dallas's way right now. Uh, so if Dak does return, it's, it's I think this is an easy win. If he's not, it'll be, you know, a potential back and forth. But I think they pull it out anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, New England, Carolina. You would want to say this is the Stephon Gilmore revenge game, but the Pats are turning heads right now. Uh, they're definitely, you know, kind of giving me pause when, I, when I'm thinking about trying to pick against them, uh, and I can't pick against them here. The Panthers are so bad this year. I don't understand it. Meanwhile, Mac Jones, who? Mac Jones, Jones, was almost uh-huh. muted after a big win against the Chargers because he didn't like the way that he played. He's already got that whole Tom Brady, I'm pissed when I threw for 300 yards because I missed two open receivers. It's clear they're going to play a lot better this week. Now, defense is no slouch, but I'm going to go Patriots here by two touchdowns. Mm. That's how much faith mm-hmm. they got in Mac Jones. Oh, yeah, he's he's Jones, turning some Jones. heads. 
He's turning some heads. Uh, <clears throat> all right. I got Vikings, Ravens. Um, Ravens have sort of been banged up quite a bit throughout the season. It's been something we've talked about on numerous occasions. There are uh, several players uh, who could potentially be coming back this weekend um, for week nine. So this team could look very different uh, than what it has over the last few weeks. Um, with the Vikings kind of being up and down all season, uh, losing a game they should have won last weekend. I don't have a lot of faith. I think with some bolstering of some some fresh bodies on the line, as long as they're all healthy, um, some of their defensive starters coming back, I think the Ravens uh, kind of continue on the way they, they have been, uh, and I think they, they take this one. I would have to agree with you there. Bengals. Browns. Hmm. I would say the only thing I need to say is hashtag let Joey roar. But let's be honest. Uh, I expected the Browns to be a lot better than they were uh, currently this year. And there have been some quizzical losses that they have. I mean, the Browns had Nick Chubb back and they couldn't beat the Steelers. They lost. They only scored 10 points in that game. Seattle scored more points in that game, for example, against the Steelers. And the Bengals defense did get embarrassed by the Jets. Um, but I don't see that happening in a division game where it's crucial that the Bengals win and keep pace with the Ravens. So I think the Bengals eke out a crucial division win here. <clears throat> Buffalo in uh, Jacksonville. Uh, I think this is, you know, one of those Buffalo, I, you know, we, we've gone in a time machine and we're, here we are talking about the Chargers, the Cowboys, the Buffalo Bills, a lot of teams, you know, from, an, a bygone era uh, that are all doing very, very well this season. Uh, <clears throat> I think this is one where Jacksonville behind Trevor Lawrence hasn't been able to put it together. I don't think this is going to be one of those games. Uh, they've outscored the Bills 17 touchdowns to eight touchdowns so far this season. I don't think this is where J Jacksonville pulls it together. I think the Bills have too much momentum right now. Uh, Josh Allen, he's been able to kind of put it together. Um, they're first in points scored. They're going up against a team who's 27th. I don't think this one's going to end well for Jacksonville. I think their struggles are going to continue. They rank uh, uh, also 28th in points allowed per game at an average of 29 points. So... Not not a great uh, not a great outlook. So this is, in my opinion, an easy one, or it's a major upset. But uh, this one's going to be Buffalo. Well, I'll tell you, I got Houston, Miami, and Houston's been getting their shit pushed in as of late. There's no other way to say it. Miami's had a rough go of it too. That makes this game very interesting. Um, I feel like this is a game where Tua makes a statement. And while I can see the Texans being able to get points on the board because they scored 22 against the Rams last week, granted in garbage time, they're still able to move the ball down the field, and uh, kind of get some stuff together. Tyrod Taylor should be back starting for this team this week, so no more Davis Mills unless an injury comes back out. I think Miami will win the game handily, but I do think it'll be one of the more interesting games of the week. I got Raiders and Giants. Uh, with everything going on, this is an interesting one. I, I, I keep ending up with these guys on my radar after turmoil each time, and I keep thinking that It'll be too much of a distraction, or they'll find a way to to lose it. Um, while the Giants haven't been playing fantastic football, they've been playing somewhat better football. Uh, they surprised us a little bit last weekend. 
So this one's this one's more of a toss up than I think it would have been previously because they did just lose one of their star. Uh, the Raiders just lost one of their star receivers. You know, everyone's kind of a little bit emotional, but Derek Carr has been playing really well. So I could see this one going either way. I think the I I mean it's the Raiders are a better football team uh, as long as they have you know a solid next man up philosophy then i think they should be okay against a team like the giants um so i am gonna go i'm gonna go raiders but i could see this one going either way uh but the better team clearly in this matchup is is the raiders but this is gonna be one i uh i have a big question mark on going into the weekend oh yeah for sure four o'clock games the Chargers versus the Eagles. <clears throat> Look, I, I put the Eagles, Devonta Smith, on the waiver wire. I just can't understand why this team has relied so much on the running game. Uh, sure, it worked for them last week, but can Hurts not make those throws? What is the point of having a speech like Devonta Smith if you're not going to get him involved in the game? Um, it's hard to know what kind of team the Eagles have. Uh, you traded your top tight end away. You would think that means more targets for the rest of the receiving core, but no. I really want to believe that something good is going to happen for Philly fans here, but this ain't the week. The Chargers are pissed off. Because they lost at home last week versus the Patriots. Mm-hmm. The versus the Patriots, excuse me. Uh, and they really could have played a, a much better, much more complete game. And, and they they had a chance to win that game. Uh, and they just absolutely gave it away with kind of sloppy plays uh, and, and the picks. Look for a thrashing here. Um, you know, the, the Eagles might be riding high because they thumped the Lions 44-6. to It's not going to be that big of a game. Um, but the, the Chargers are... Going to get in cruise control mode here, and I would not be surprised if we see backup quarterback for either team in this game because of how far out of hand the game's going to get. Interesting. Okay. <clears throat> All right. I got um, Kansas City, Green Bay. I would have leaned heavily on Green Bay coming into this game because the Chiefs have been playing terribly uh defensively over the last few weeks um offensively they haven't been stellar either but they seem to be finding ways to piece together uh strings within a game not games not full game plans but they seem to be putting together portions of games uh that you know look good there's still major turnovers that are a a huge problem but you are going up against a uh a questionable quarterback uh with the exiting of Aaron Rodgers, which is superior timing for this. So mm. I think this one's going to be Kansas City. It'll be a dog shit game again. It'll probably <laughs> be a lot closer. Might take some late game heroics, maybe even take a uh, – although if we learned anything last week, uh, you know, short plan substitutes in the quarterback position turn into superstars for 24 hours. So mm-hmm. this this one could come back and bite me in the ass. And I actually wouldn't be surprised if Kansas City finds a way to lose this, turning the ball over too many times. But Seven picks, seven games. Not, not yeah. a very good statistic that doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Uh, Arizona-San Fran, look, Arizona finally lost the game. They are mortal. But as much as I want to overlook the 49ers because they did just wall up the Bears, uh, the first time these two teams met just a few weeks ago, Arizona won only 17-10. to 10. And there wasn't a great quarterback situation going on in San Fran at that time. That being said, I expect this to be a prize fight between middleweights. There's no knockout punch on either of these teams, but they're both suited to jab, body shot, go the distance. That's what this game is going to do. 
Uh, there's not going to be any heavy knockout punches. It's not going to be a blowout win or a blowout loss. But I do think there's going to be plenty of drama in this game. This is one of those games you really want to watch. Um, I got to stick with my gut, though, and say I'm probably not going to pick against the Cardinals, even though the J.J. Watt injury, uh, even though Kyler is probably questionable with the knee and ankle thing. Um, I still think there's some magic in that team. And until I see them lose another game, it's hard for me to pick against them. So I got to go cards here. Yeah. All right. Uh, Rams Titans. This one would have been a far more interesting matchup without the exiting of Derrick Henry. Um, when Henry was in the lineup, they were fourth in rushing yards per game and they were sixth in scoring. The Rams, however, are fifth in scoring and they are fourth in passing yards per game. So, uh, basically what you were looking at is sort of the yin and yang and the offensive side of these games where, um, uh, Tannehill in the receiving core wasn't what was carrying that team through all of its wins. It was their their rushing and, and, and ground game. And on the Rams side, it was the opposite, where their running game was sort of mediocre, but their uh, receiving core and the quarterback kind of carried them to a lot of their wins. Uh, Would have been an interesting matchup, especially with Vaughn Miller being an addition to this team. Um, without Derrick Henry in the lineup, uh, I could see Ramsey. I could see some pass rush kind of putting on a lot of pressure, forcing Tannehill to try and, you know, make some bad decisions. I don't think this goes well for, uh, the Titans. I think this might be their first significant loss before that. These teams are pretty evenly matched up, but I think this is, this is a game that could get out of hand, uh, in favor of the Rams because, you know, they're going to have to game plan and switch up, you know, eight games into the season and start over completely. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Then you're going up against the buzzsaw defensive team in, in the Rams now. So I think this one gets ugly uh, because the, the Titans are having to adjust. Um, but crazy uh, thing here. We forgot to talk about trade deadline. Uh, that wasn't really a trade per se, but uh, they did sign all day. Adrian Peterson. The right. aging wonder. So he will be out there with Jeremy McNichols um, as a one-two backfield. We'll see what they can come up with. Maybe the guy still has some spark. Maybe he doesn't. Did they did they sign him to the starting? I know they signed him to the practice squad, but did they make him like a, an official I, starter? I, yet? I think they're going to elevate him to the, the pra- from the practice squad to the, the 53-man roster before the game this weekend. Did, yeah, they're going to see how he handles practice. It's the same way with um, Christian McCaffrey right now, right? He, he just got designated to return off IR. So did George Kittle. That opens their 21-day window where they yep. have to practice and actually show that they're able to handle uh, the rigors of the game. And at the end of that 21 days, if they're not able to, then they're poof, their season's over. Um, so it's very, very, not political, but it's very, very crucial when you bring a player back from IR. You bring them back too right. early and they can't practice in time, then you know, you've given them six games and they're not able to do it so that they don't accrue that full season. So yeah, that leaves us with the Monday night game to end week eight. Chicago Bears, Pittsburgh Steelers. The Bears find a little footed and then just get mistreated by Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, and I, that gives me little faith that they can outpace the Steelers team that has a better defense and a slight nod at offense, okay? I'm not saying Garoppolo is terrible. He did a lot of you know rushing touchdowns, and we know Big Ben's not doing that. But Ben can sling it. Ben has Najee Harris. Ben has a, just a, an unbelievable turnstile of wide receivers that they draft and develop. The Bears have Allen Robinson, and they're not using him. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Mm. Um, they may focus more on the ground game here to kind of keep this game within range, but I think no matter what they do, Pittsburgh is going to get the dub. 
And those are our picks for week nine. We're going to close out this episode of the Stats Matter podcast. We thank you all very much for your listening support. We hope that you like this episode, share it, subscribe it, tell your friends about it. Um, again, our social media game is A1, as the kids would say. Um, <laughs> our tweets are on fleek. Um, we got do, the drip. Do kids still say that? I, I, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just throwing all these keywords out there because I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to hashtag them in the, you know, the, the Instagram post that I put up. And mm. maybe if they're watching enough reels, then maybe they'll say, oh, what's up with this Eggy podcast episode? I don't know, man. I heard it was, uh, I heard it was, was fire. Did you say eggy? Well, yeah. Eggy, crip, cool. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know any of what you're saying right now. You're a California boy, so I'm surprised you've never heard of these before. And to be honest, it's been about five to 10 years since I've actually used that in a sentence, <laughs> at least. So maybe the kids don't say that anymore. But here's what I will say. Being that I'm from California and yeah. never heard of that, I'm questioning your authenticity of the actual usage of that word. Urban Dictionary is open 24-7. Sure, sure. It's um, got a lot of things in there that I've probably never heard of. <laughs> the only thing that you need to know yeah. is Stasimeter Podcast, 100, 100, fire emoji, fire emoji, big facts, no cap. Are you, are you just trying to end every one of these with an exasperated, I gotta go, boom. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Peace, everybody. Peace. <laughs>